Blog Talk Radio. Good evening for another segment Broadcast Politics. Tonight, we have an exciting show. A sexual revolution. A sexual hot, hot identity in the Bay Area. And with our guest, Karen Straw, who is a gender bender analyst. New title. And also a spokesperson for Men's Rights Edmonton. Edmonton in, in Alberta, Canada. The contributor to avoiceforman.com, she's a prominent men's rights advocate who came to public attention through her infamous YouTube channel titled Girls Write What? She's a mother of several children and published, published writer of erotica novels. She'll be with us in about five minutes. Great. We have... Uh, an exci- like I said, an exciting show. But before we move on to the show and our guest and our host, Mr. May, quite a few things have been happening. Uh, kind of sad and upset and disappointed with what's going on. Um, the young lady in Iowa who was missing for a, a couple of weeks they found her body. And I had a feeling that something really bad had happened to her. And I and I'm I'm not happy that I was right, but the fact that it was an illegal alien that did this every so everyone in this country should be upset with individuals that keep pushing and for the right to defend illegal aliens, illegal immigrants who are criminals. And just in general, you broke the law, you got you, you snuck in, you overstayed your visa, you're not here legally. You don't. You don't have the right to stay here. If you come here legally, like everyone that has, then you have a right to be here. But this individual went ahead and did what he did to this young lady, who's never going to be able to live life. And for the advocates, open border policy advocates who believe that illegal aliens have more rights than Americans, this is another another reason why all you individuals have blood on your hands. Okay? This has to stop. Mr. President, you have to take charge of the situation because Congress is not doing their job. Politicians in Washington are basically not doing their job. This has to stop. Or this is going to continue. We have so many. This, this guy was around for seven years. Seven years. Unbelievable. And there's many, there's more of them running around. And the excuse is coming from Senator Elizabeth Warren, that we need to treat 
families that are broken, separating them. Well, Ms. Warren, today, Molly, the young lady in Iowa, is completely separated from her own family for good because of an individual that you are actually protecting. You should be ashamed of yourself for protecting, I mean, we're not protecting your American fellow. We're protecting a criminal illegal alien. That is totally disgusting that you have taken that position. And I hope the people of Massachusetts will take that into consideration. All right. So here we go. Uh, Can't wait to speak to Karen. She, I got a chance to speak to her briefly before show and um, really, really exciting to on the show. Um, All right, it's just ringing right now. Hello. Karen, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing well. I was just mentioning to my uh, listening audience that listening audience that uh, I I've been excited ever since uh, I was able to um, book you for our our program tonight because there's so much so much that we we can cover. But before I I, I go on, um, if you can give us a, a, a brief um, description of who you are and uh, what you've been doing in regards to your your um, your title, gender bender analyst, which I love that title, uh, especially in today's world. So, well, you know, I didn't really pick that name for myself, um, but uh, you know, I can describe what I do. Um, what okay. I do is I look at I look at um, gender issues um, from a non a decidedly non feminist perspective. So I take it outside of critical theory, I take it outside of conflict theory, um, I take it outside of social construction uh construction theory, social constru- constructivist theory. Um and I look at uh sort of biological bases for uh gender roles, gender perceptions and, and things like that, gendered behavior and also um, how those biological bases lead to emergent properties uh, from the bottom up that end up being codified in societies um, and enforced by both men and women. So essentially, uh, what I'm looking at is trying to understand what's really going on rather than trying to wage a gender war. And um, so a lot of that has to do with, you know, one of the things that, uh, that came up recently uh, that I had the honor, I guess, of uh, of discussing with Dr. Drew Pinsky um, is, you know, sort of the increase in asexuality, uh, just essentially uh, lack of attraction, sexual attraction to anyone, 
any gender or anyone and a, uh, a lack of libido or interest in sex at all. Um, so my concern with that, because I don't have any concerns about people being able to live their life as they see fit, as they want, um, if you don't want to have sex, if you have no interest in that, I have no problem with that. Um, and I don't think that it harms society that there are people who might feel that way. But I do have concerns in terms of environmental end- endocrine disruptors. I do have concerns in terms of um, the fact that the World Health Organization has uh, lowered what it considers a normal sperm count uh, and mm-hmm. a normal testosterone level in men several times since the 1970s. Um, I, I have concerns that, uh, similar concerns that uh, Dr. Pinsky had in terms of um, things like uh, prolactin secreting tumors, uh, congenital adrenal hyperplasia, um, serious medical concerns that can lead somebody to have, I guess, the idea that they are asexual as their gender identity when in reality what they have is a serious uh, physiological problem that should be addressed because if if they don't, they could actually, you know, it might be cancer, right? And, uh, and that calling it uh, a sexual orientation or a gender identity um, may be uh, dissuading people from investigating potential medical causes for it. So essentially I'm just trying to get at what reality is and to get away from the, I guess, the perpetual um, war that feminism has waged on uh, masculinity and on, I guess, patriarchy, um, their their eternal bogeyman, um, on society, on hierarchy, on capitalism, on all of those things. So um, I guess that's that's really what I do, is I just stay outside the established box and I try and find null hypotheses wherever I can find them. So, yeah. Hello? Hello. Karen, I apologize for this. This has not happened, and we've been on the air for the past four years. So it's like, it's just uh, it's a freak accident today. Oh, yeah, but, no uh, worries, no worries. Um, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm part of a podcast where if we don't have technical difficulties on every show, it wouldn't be our podcast, so... <laughs> Well, then we've been lucky because I have a guest every weekend and we've been consistently doing well. But, uh, and I, once again, I apologize. Uh, our staff has been working, trying to get the system up and running as quickly as possible, but um, we're back. So as you were mentioning in regards to uh, where I've been 
the whole situation with um, since you're you know you're pro man pro child. Um, in, in the last twenty something minutes that we have, I, I want to focus on in regards to what there's so many discussions in, in regards to gender. Yeah. Gender equality, gender, different types of gender. And have you been taking a lot of uh, attacks from, from feminists that because you're so pro-man and pro-child? Um, you know, I, I don't get a lot of uh, heat from feminists. It's, it's a very strange thing. Since I started actually um, gaining ground, gaining traction, uh, gaining subscribers on YouTube, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't get a whole lot of grief from them. I know that they don't like me um, because, you know, if I go into a comment section, uh, you know, on, an, on a newspaper or whatever, Daily Mail or The Guardian or... Uh, right. you know, the Huffington Post or whatever, and I start talking, um, they, will, they will often talk with me until they realize, until they actually take a look at my, they're like, who, who the hell is this? And then they look at my username, and then they're like, oh, I'm not talking to you. You know, that's it. This conversation is over, right? Um, so, so I know that they're aware of me, and I know that they don't like me, but they really don't give me a whole lot of grief. Um, and... Uh, so, like, I, I don't get emails. I don't get uh, get mean tweets a whole lot. Um, I have one very, very persistent, I guess you could call them the anti-fan, uh, on Twitter right now who who got after me for putting words in her mouth. And, and I was just like, that's bloody rich coming from you. Um, but uh, considering, you know, the last 90 tweets you've directed at me where you accused me of saying things that I've never said. But, you know, like, I, you have a little bit of problem, but it's, it's, not, it's not a serious thing. I get 95-plus percent of my feedback is positive, so. Oh, very good, very good. And, and, and something that you brought up, uh, you mentioned here, and it was part of your description uh asexual hot identity in bay area are you just are, are you referring to the bay area in san francisco yeah yeah that that was it was an article that was written you know uh oh god i forget what publication it was describing asexuality as a as a gender identity and uh one of one of the things that worries me about that is uh you know like Okay, so back when I was a young woman and I was on the pill, um, I took, I, I tried several different types of birth control pills, uh, high estrogen ones, high androgen ones, and my sex drive was affected by, uh, my, and my, not just my sex drive, but my, my level of attraction to any given person was affected by the androgens uh, or lack thereof in my hormonal birth control. Um, and when you look at some of the endocrine disruptors that are in our environment, uh, you know, things that uh, are common ingredients in plastics and personal mm-hmm. care products like moisturizers and shampoos and things like that, um, that actually interrupt uh, the function of androgens within both men and women's systems. Um, and when you look at some of the uh, serious medical conditions that can actually cause low libido and a complete lack of sex drive and a complete 
um, I guess, a withdrawal from sexuality altogether. You know, when I was on a high estrogen pill, the thought of uh, putting my tongue in somebody else's mouth grossed me out. It was like, it was like, it was like, I, I didn't like, I was just like the entire idea of sex was disgusting to me. Right. And it was all because of the hormones that I was putting in my body. So when you're looking at something like congenital adrenal hyperplasia, or you're looking at a, a prolactin secreting tumor, or you're looking at some kind of, um, cranial tumor, you know, that, that uh, presses on the pituitary gland and, and interrupts the hormone balance in, in people's bodies, right? Some of these people who may be walking around saying, I'm a proud asexual, may have ticking time bombs in their bodies, right? So, um, you know, like my approach, my entire approach is a multidisciplinary approach to looking at all kinds of gender issues. So statistical, pragmatic, uh, evolutionary psychology, social constructivist, um, you know, looking at culture, looking at how culture reinforces things, looking how, how, at, at genetic sources of things. And, um, and what we're seeing right now is we're seeing a bunch of people, I think, le being led down the garden path um, thinking that, you know, okay, I've never been attracted to anybody and I don't ever want to have sex and that's perfectly okay. It's okay to be me. And yes, that's fine if you don't have some kind of horrible medical condition that's going to cause you problems down the road uh, right. that, you know, and that your asexuality is a symptom of or if it's not a symptom of endocrine disruptors in the environment, uh, which have been affecting a, you know, a number of species, it always starts with amphibians first, then moves up to reptiles and then mammalian species, right? Um, yeah. You know, in terms of sperm counts and, and testosterone levels and genital size and all kinds of stuff. So, um, you know, we're seeing, uh, if we're seeing an increasing amount of people who essentially say, well, I'm asexual and I don't have a problem with it, um, that may not be uh, an indication that there's no problem right. is, is really what I would, and like I, like I always say, those people are fine. I don't have any kind of moral problem with them but I really don't want them to die of some kind of cranial tumor that's pressing on their pituitary gland or, you know, some kind of prolactin uh, secreting tumor that's, you know, uh, resting on their adrenal gland or, or, uh, or maybe they would have had a happier life if they hadn't been exposed to, you know, huge amounts of phthalates and bisphenol A. So right. I, I'd really rather... Um, we actually try and figure out whether there is something wrong before we say, you know, everything's a-okay, right? So, so, so I, I know you had, a, you had mentioned earlier that the UN, or that there was a low count, low birth rate in a lot of these countries and... and well, it's a low sperm count. Low sperm um, count. You know... One one of the things that the, the World Health Organization has done is it has lowered what it considers normal in terms of testosterone levels and sperm counts since the 1970s, more than once. 
because if they didn't lower what was considered normal, more than half the male population would be considered abnormally low. So essentially, um, there, oh God, there was a woman who has worked in sperm banks for 30 years who essentially said, she, she was interviewed, she said that when I started working here, 80% of the sperm samples had adequate uh, counts and motility and, and morphology. And now uh, less than 30% of them do. So less than 30% of men who donate sperm at sperm banks these days have sperm that stands up to what the standards were back in the 1980s. Um, so, I mean, we're looking at, we're looking at major, major things that really should be investigated and, you know, like children's hospitals are taking notice. Uh, they've essentially said, uh, they've sourced uh, intravenous tubing that does not contain, uh, phthalates. Uh, phthalates are one of the chemicals that makes plastic mm -hmm. soft, um, right. because in their neonatal ICUs. So, you know, because what you're doing is you're essentially introducing a testosterone disruptor in high amounts that leaches out of the plastic and you're introducing it directly into a newborn baby's bloodstream, maybe a premature baby's bloodstream. And, uh, and that interferes with male sexual development. And we don't really know how it affects female sexual development. So, um, you know, we're, we're looking at, uh, we've gotten rid of bisphenol A, uh, because it was the, I guess it was the uh, bigger boogeyman. Um, but phthalates are in everything from moisturizers to shampoos to conditioners to baby bath right. to, mm -hmm. to you know, uh, to soft baby toys that babies put in their mouths. You know, like crosses the placental barrier. Um, it's it can't be good. So, um, you know, like. We, we have to, I think we have to actually take a, a good hard look at these things instead of just saying, well, we have to accept people as they are, um, you know, whatever part of the LGBTQ alphabet that they decide that they want to fit into. Well, what if, what if there's something wrong in our environment that is causing people to um, right. not develop the way their genetics would indicate they should, so... Well, I, 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 and this is what I wanted to ask you, uh, the whole, the whole debate over vaccination. I remember as a kid that, you know, I would have maybe one or two vac vac vaccines to, in today's world, these kids are getting vaccinated multiple times. And this, I think it's causing, it's creating an issue with younger men having erectile dysfunctional believe that's what it is. It's called erectile dysfunctional. Um, and, and they're not, they're basically at a younger age, they're having problems really satisfying their partners because they're not sexually driven, like motivated. And I think it, the vaccination, the food, the environment, I think this it's a combination of all of them. Would you agree? Well, I, I don't know that there's any evidence uh, in terms of vaccinations in particular. Um, I have always um, insisted that my children only be vaccinated for things that are uh, a significant threat to themselves or others. So, um, you know, uh, I guess a German measles, rubella, is not a threat to children, but it is a threat to pre pregnant women. So I'm willing to 
vaccinate my children for that. Um, right. But, uh, you know, well, not threat to pregnant women, but a threat to unborn children. So essentially, you know, but I'm not going to, I've never been interested in vaccinating my kids for chicken pox and, and very, very mild diseases that generally don't have a significant, uh, you know, and honestly, a lot of the uh, vaccinations that my kids have had, they've had um, serious side effects. You know, my daughter mm-hmm. lost use of her right arm uh, for a week. Uh, she had a, a grapefruit size swelling on her shoulder after being vaccinated at school and we and I only authorized one vaccination not the three that they were going to give her that day um and uh, and she couldn't use her right hand uh because the the nerves were pinched right so essentially um you know like vaccines can be dangerous i don't know whether that, that that's an issue with um lowered libidos across the board. Uh, I think uh, environmental phytoestrogens, soy, um, there's a reason why they recommend, why doctors recommend, you know, menopausal women eat lots of soy. It's because it boosts your estrogen levels, right? Right. And um, amazingly, you know, we have uh, problems with gynecomastia in men. Um, You know, they're... can't find any literature on rates um, over time. So over the the last several decades, I cannot find any literature that is not behind a paywall or underneath some, locked in some vault somewhere, um, indicating that gynecomastia in adolescent boys and men is on the rise. But it seems to me that I'm seeing a lot more men with boobs now than I did when I was a 10-year-old child in 1980. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, uh, you know, soy, I've, I've heard all the arguments that soy doesn't raise your estrogen levels. Well, if it doesn't raise your estrogen levels, then why are obstetricians and gynecologists recommending it for uh, women's reproductive health as after hysterectomy or as they enter menopause? Um, there there would be it would have no benefit to them if it doesn't actually affect your hormone levels so you know like the the whole thing is you know you're looking at a whole bunch of competing interests you're looking at uh mm-hmm. you know the the soy lobby um even even go back in time and you look at those three studies that scared everybody away and made everybody cut fat out of their diet those three studies were commissioned by the sugar industry, right? <laughs> and they were commissioned by the sugar industry when people started pointing to sugary cereals and pop and, and soft drinks and candy as causing American children to get fat. So the sugar industry commissioned three studies to blame it all on consumption of fat. And then that led to a, years and years and years of of people cutting fat out of their diet and becoming and and type 2 diabetes becoming ever more prevalent um you know like i and you look at too the the food pyramid the the inter, the canada food guide we call it here um that that wasn't developed by nutritionists it was developed by the agricultural lobby right to sell more grain right oh, so wow. you really have to you really have to look at who's putting out the information. Um, it's not just the tobacco lobby who's trying to cover things up. 
Well, I learned one of my best classes in college was critical thinking. And the professor, one of his, one of his, one of the things that I always remember, he mentioned, always look at who's promoting the product, who's pushing it. If they, he, he brought an example about coffee. Coffee is great for you. It really, really does a great job. Great, that's fine. Find out who paid for that commercial. Oh yeah, yeah. You and have to you, you have to figure out who. Yep. You know those mm-hmm. those uh, old commercials you saw on TV. Nine out of ten dentists recommend Crest. You know, well, yeah, no, that was that was a commission study by Crest, right? <laughs> and and they they essentially ask dentists, do you recommend a fluoridated toothpaste? Uh, and dentist said, well, right. yeah, because fluoride prevents cavities and they're like oh they they personally put their you know their names behind crest as a brand um no no it's it's essentially you you have to you have to look at uh the competing interests you really really do um and there is so much misinformation out there um i would i would suggest that anybody who's scared of vaccinating their kids you know go and read a whole bunch of literature and make uh, make an informed decision, right? Because in some cases, I think vaccination definitely outweighs any kind of risk, right? Um, but in other cases, you know, I, I remember my mom when I was a kid having chicken pox parties. You know, when some kid in the neighborhood got chicken pox, she'd invite them over to infect all of the other kids because all of the other mothers in the neighborhood were like, we want our kids to have chicken pox when they're young, when it won't really be a problem because when you have a chicken pox as an adult, right, that's when it becomes a serious problem. Um, So, you know, maybe we need to just go back to chicken pox parties instead of, you know, and, (laughs) and the whole idea of dirtying up your food. Um, you know, the fact that our food is so clean these days, we've completely eviscerated our gut uh, biome um, to the point where we have autoimmune problems, uh, you know, that, that never used to really be, um, you know, prevalent among people. And we're having more and more because we've, we've starved some of our natural gut bacteria um, or deprived ourselves of them and, and, uh, and fed others that are hostile. And, and uh, we've completely interrupted. We have like pounds, like kilograms worth of bacteria in our systems that all play a role in helping digest our food, helping regulate our immune systems, all of those things. And when you mess with that by making your environment perfectly germ-free, um, you actually cause immunological problems. So, you know, all of those Clorox wipes, I would suggest throwing them in the garbage. You know, and and let let your kids sit in the garden and eat some worms. It's probably not going to kill them. Well, I, I'll tell you, my mother OCD, and she make me. She basically, I follow her footsteps. I'm OCD. I have my sanitizer with me all the time. My son is the same way. And knock on wood, we we hardly ever get sick. Well, you know, hand sanitizer is one thing because stopping germs, you know, uh, at the entry point, stopping hostile germs like rotavirus, norovirus, those things, that's perfectly fine. But uh, but living in a perfectly pristine and sterile environment 
you just it's you have to put some weight on the bar for your muscles to be able to grow if you're just lifting a bar over and over again um you're you're yeah, you're not going to build up any muscle, and it's the same with your immune system. If you're never exposed to any pathogens, um, y- your body won't know what to do with them when it is. And so, essentially, a lot of the advice that we've been given over the last 30, 40, 50 years, um, in a whole host of situations, a whole host of areas, has has been uh, what you would think, you know, on first glance would be the right way to go. Um, mm-hmm. but the actual right way to do things is counterintuitive. So, yeah. So your, your web, the website that you are a contributor to, uh, voiceforman.com. How did that come about? You, um, well, I, going- I'm just a contributor there. Um, I actually haven't contributed anything in a while. Um, but, uh, I, uh, I got involved with them God, back in 2010, maybe 2011. Um, you know, I, I got interested in men's issues. It was, a, it was the biggest men's issues website at the time. I think it probably still is. And uh, I built up a relationship with the owner of the site and some of the editors, and uh, they're really, really great people. And there's a lot of interesting information that you can find there. Um, but... But I'm mostly sort of a lone wolf. Um, I'm also involved in a pod, group podcast called Honey Badger Radio. Um, anybody okay. interested in men's okay. issues can check that out. But uh, but mostly I I stick to my own channel. I, 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 I do my own thing um, on my YouTube channel called Girl Writes What. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put it on our website. And uh, do you have a, um, a website? Besides the YouTube channel, you want to uh, advertise? Are, are, or are, are you guys controlled by the FCC? No. No, so I can swear? Yeah, you can go ahead and do it. Uh, okay. Um, okay, my, my blog, I don't have a website, but I do have a blog, and it's called owningyourshit.blogspot.com. So, um, yeah, so, but most, like I said, most of my material is on my YouTube channel. Um, that's probably the best place to get okay. uh, sort okay. of a snapshot of, of what I think and, and my opinions on things. So, yeah. Well, Karen, again, it's, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I apologize. Definitely want, to, want you back for, for a full hour instead of you know, what we had today because of technical difficulties. But uh, definitely... Uh, we will be um, we'll, we'll be following you on on, on all right uh, on your, in your career and thank you again for taking time to come on the program. Oh no worries and thank you very much and please don't worry about the technical difficulties <laughs> they are constant and uh, and ubiquitous so there you go. Fantastic. All right. Have a good evening and uh, send my love to Canada, which I um, I lived in Ottawa for six months and I loved it. Oh, in Ottawa, and you loved it. What are you crazy? You well, need to come I out to it. Canada's Texas. Canada's I, Texas is Alberta. I know, I know. I next time, but definitely we'll, we'll, right. we'll, we'll be talking. Have a good evening and a great week. All right, thank you. Have a good one. You too. So bye bye. Next week, we'll, 
Goodbye. Good night. Next week, we'll have another segment of Broadcasting Politics. Thank you, and have a great evening.